interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Alright, uh, let's see. That's nine episodes for the first season. Uh, another 40 for a second, 41? Well, so the website says 41 for the third. This is, that makes 90 in this episode 10. 100 episodes. Huh. Hey, it's Coolio if you don't know, and it is time for the 100th episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in lovely downtown Halifax. How's it going? We survived another hurricane. Can you believe it? Um, I'm gonna admit I wasn't here for one, so that's not something that I got to experience, but, um, for everyone who is uh, still here with us after that aftermath, well, welcome! I'm glad that you're, that you came here to, uh, spend an hour with me, and, uh, hopefully it'll be a good hour. I only realized late last night that it was the 100th episode, so I don't really have anything special. But maybe next week I'll figure something out for you guys. For now, let us look at what is new over at lowbiasgaming.net. And um, it's mostly the Jason show featuring Jason right now. Uh, with uh, Jason with uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Eight new episodes of Dragon Warrior 7, Fragments of the Forgotten Past. Uh, a low bias monthly for this month is going to be Mexix Games. And guess who came up with that subject? Yes, yours truly. Uh, I had Jason play Depot Dungeons. I was hoping for more than two episodes, but that looks like all I'm going to get. So what are you going to do? And uh, Jade Farrow with his Let's Play of Sanitarium, which he did Let's Play a long time ago. Uh, back, in, what, back when he was doing uh, text-only commentary, uh, he was using uh, YouTube annotations for that, and those have kind of disappeared since then. So he did feel it uh, fit to do that game again. It's all up there. Eight videos available for you now pretty nice series kind of freaky type of game but um yeah there you go anyway of course with the uh, 365 days of the super nintendo still going along with mr nuts uh the ignition the ignition factor phil fury and beavis and butthead being the last four entries all sorts of, of uh crazy fun stuff happening at lowbiasgaming.net but now it's time for music on Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was really funky. I didn't listen to the whole thing before um, before putting it on here. That was by Robert L. Uvino, and it is the theme for today's game from the archives. Space Colony is best described as a people meet, uh, people sim meets a city builder. You manage and nurture a group of dysfunctional space dwellers colonizing the most unearthly corners of the galaxy. These unique colonists can fight, argue, d- become depressed, go crazy, and fall in love. Huh. But even if half... Uh, even if half the staff is brawling, the harvester robot is chainsawing its way through the oxygen supply, and small furry aliens have taken over the disco. Remember, this is your home. And this is Space Colony HD. It is a sim game for the PC developed by Firefly Studios, published by Gathering and Release in 2003. Um, it sounds exciting. Uh, the music sounds really nice and funky but uh, as far as i've seen in the game it just seems like kind of your run-of-the-mill type of sim sort of like the caesar series in a way but some people are into that if you're into that we have that on lowbiasgaming.net uh that was the february 2015 monthly isometric games and ragnats has provided us with five videos for your enjoyment if you so desire
That was Jarvis9999 with Chapter 5, Justice. And you're listening to the Square Wave Symphony 100th episode on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is time for the news of the weird. And uh, oddly enough, um, before I got here, the stories for today hadn't been posted yet. And now they are, and I have no way of making sure that there is nothing really bad in it. So we're going to be going with last week's stories, despite that. Anyway, um, I do not read these stories ahead of time, and some of these may not jive well with all audiences, but they have been scanned for objectionable content. This segment is about 13 to 15 minutes long, so take that as you will. Our lead story for today, ew. A Whataburger location in Bastrop, Texas, was the scene of a gruesome plunge due, uh, to an oily demise on August 31st. As customers waited in line at the counter, the Austin American Statesman, Statesman reported, Kitchen workers tried to catch a mouse scampering across the food prep counter. A customer captured the scene on video as the mouse, fleeing a person trying to trap it, leapt into a fryer, a fryer full of hot grease. On the video, an employee can be heard asking, Who else needs a refund? The video was posted to Facebook, prompting Whataburger to comment that the location had been closed and, quote, The entire restaurant has since been cleaned and sanitized. Rip Mouse, best I can say. Our next story, Mysterious. Police in Hamilton Township, New Jersey say an unnamed 80-year-old woman snoozed right through an apparent carjacking on August 28th, even though she was in the car. The victim told police she had fallen asleep in her car parked in a driveway around 9pm that evening. She called police around 4am to say she woke up on the driveway and her car was gone, but she had no recollection of how she got there, the New York Daily News reported. Police observed a fresh abrasion and bruise on her face. The car was recovered later that day in Trenton, but the search is still on for suspects. Yeah, people do that. They, um, they, they, they use their cars to sleep and change clothes, especially in Japan, apparently. We learned that in News of the Weird. Our next story, Bright Ideas, are actually there's two of them. Two bright ideas for y'all. First, in the Mexican state of Tlaxcala, high school instructor Luis Juarez, Texas, inflamed the ire of parents when he made students wear cardboard boxes with cutout eye holes on their heads, excuse me, as they took an exam in order to deter cheating. Parents are calling for Texas's removal, Oddity Central reported, saying the boxes amounted to, quote, acts of humiliation, physical, emotional, and psychological violence. Others, however, applauded Texas's idea, with one saying the boxes, quote, teach them a great lesson. Texas told reporters the students consented to the anti-cheating method. That this is just a sort of training to um, teach the humans that they are all subjugates to the robot overlords. 
the robots are in our boxes. Our next bright idea, a graffiti artist in Frankston, Australia has been painting the Melbourne suburb purple with a message to someone named Chris saying, quote, you need to talk to me before baby is born or don't bother after, in very short words. According to a July 30th report from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, the messages have appeared on several public spaces such as sidewalks and the sides of buildings. Frankston, uh, Frankston Mayor Michael O'Reilly said the city council, quote, would encourage those involved to consider more constructive and less illegal ways of communicating in the future. I hope Chris and this mystery person can work through their issues. Certainly hope so. Um, leaving someone with a, with a child is not cool. Trolling them all over the city is kind of also not cool. But we should probably deal with that first issue first. Our next story, Inexplicable. Uber driver Yasser Hadi of Atlanta was going about his business dropping off a fare on, on August 25th not October 25th, we're not there yet, when a woman, quote, came out of nowhere, threatened to kill him, and then violently bit him, Fox 5 News reported. Haiti told the station, quote, she's acting weird, she's acting wild, and she's on the car, hitting it, telling me I need to die. Next, the woman uh, climbed inside the car and scratched and bit Haiti as uh, he tried to pull her out. I said, God, just let her take my flesh. I don't care. I want her to go away from me, Haiti said. Uh, later, Atlanta police arrested 26-year-old Tashina Campbell, who already had a warrant for an assault charge for battery and criminal trespass. But Haiti is left with a damaged car, medical expenses, and no insurance. She's hit me in my job, my health, and my financial pocket money. It's hard, he explained. Especially in the States where, you know, if you were in Canada, you wouldn't have to worry about that medical expense. But that's political discourse. Let's stop that and move on to our next story under the title of Awesome. <coughs> anyway, for her August 10th wedding in Omaha, Nebraska, Deanna A Adams, 40, told her bridesmaids, including her sister and maid of honor, Christina Mador, uh, they could wear, quote, anything they'd be comfortable in. So after carefully considering several options, Medor chose, chose her outfit, and you've probably seen this news story out in the wild, an inflatable T-Rex costume. As the bride and her groom took their vows, Medor towered over them, delicate, delicately clutching her bouquet of sunflowers and no doubt shedding a few dinosaur tears. Mador 38 told Adams ahead of time that she would wear the costume, according to the Omaha World Herald, giving Adams a chance to shut the idea down, but her sister didn't balk. In fact, Adams defended the choice on Facebook. It's a giant middle finger at spending thousands of dollars and putting ungodly amounts of pressure on ourselves. The point was to get married was to get married to the man who treats me like I hung the moon, and we did that part. I mean, there it is. There you go. That's all you really need, isn't it? Our next story: crime reports. Why am I singing? There's music already. Isabella Colano, 49, of Nutley, New Jersey 
pulled a fast one on Costco employees in two stores on September 1st, police said. Kalano first visited a Costco in Wayne, New Jersey, where she allegedly stole a $2,000 diamond ring. Then, authorities say, she went on to a store in nearby Clifton where she asked to see a $28,000 diamond ring and handed back the $2,000 ring, which was similar. Costco employees didn't notice the switcheroo until Kalano was out of the building, the Associated Press reported. Police found Kalano at home and eventually recovered the ring. Kalano was charged with theft. I mean, it could have been worse. That, um... Over $5,000. That's no longer petty larceny. Just saying. Our next story, news you can use. In Jacksonville, Florida, as Hurricane Dorian approached on September 3rd, Patrick Eldridge became concerned that his smart car would, quote, blow away. So he proposed to his wife, Jessica, that he park it in their kitchen. Her car was already in the garage. She doubted he could do it, but, quote, he opened the double doors and had it in. I was amazed that it could fit, Jessica told the Associated Press. She said there was still room to move around and cook, but, quote, my dogs are confused by it. Dorian narrowly missed Jacksonville as it moved up the East Coast. And definitely hit Halifax, let me tell you. Um, yeah, those smart cars are kind of small. Um, good luck getting any shopping done if you're going to um, use one of those because there's not a whole lot of space to fit a whole lot of stuff. But um, yeah, if it works for you, I mean it, wor it would probably work for me honestly. I just couldn't fit it in my apartment. Our next story, least competent criminals. If you're going to commit a crime, go all in, we always say. You never say that. Like, this is literally the first time that I've seen News of the Weird say this. Don't commit crimes, people. But two unidentified crooks in the Bronx, New York, went to great lengths September 2nd to Robbie a Little Caesar's pizza shop and took a pizza, police said. Video shows one thief holding open the drive-thru window, the New York Post reported, as the other crawled in on his belly, but workers rushed to, pu to push him back out. Ch uh, changing tactics, the two then entered through the front door, threatened workers with a knife, and made off with a $23 pizza order. They done all that just for pizza? As police source told the paper. Chances are, the evidence is long gone. I mean, I guess that's one strategy. If you're going to steal something, steal something comestible and then eat it. I guess you can't really eat the cardboard box that it comes in, but it's nondescript enough, I guess. But please don't steal pizzas. That's not good for the pizza place, especially if it's a local chain. In this case, it wasn't, but it still doesn't help. Our next story, irony. Um, the former Spearmint Rhino Gentlemen's Club in Trenton, Wisconsin has found an unlikely new life as the Ozaki Christian School opening on September 16th, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reports. Chris Austin, the school's administrator, said the stripper pole has been removed along with the leopard print carpet, but the stage and bar are still there and the building is still owned by the Spearmint Rhino chain based in California. It's an arrangement school leaders have had to come to terms with. 
Our take on it is that people are people, said school board, school board president David Swartz. We're sinners too, even though we don't agree with their uh, business model per se. Now we're going to transfer that place into a place where boys and girls are raised to be our next leaders with character. Just make sure it's a dry bar. And our last story for today. Ow, ow, ow! We've had a fair amount of that in the, in the news today. Jamie Quinlan, 12, of Louth, Lincolnshire, England, was bouncing on a, trap, a trampoline in his friend's backyard in early September when a spring broke off and lodged in the boy's back. Ooh. Ouch. Jamie's dad, Ian, rushed, uh, rushed him to Sheffield's Children's Hospital where surgeons removed the spring. It took them about 10 minutes to actually get the spring out of my back, Jamie told Sky News. The doctor said they have never heard of something like this happening with a trampoline. He said he didn't realize the piece of metal had entered his back, but, quote, all of my friends looked shocked. As well they should be. Wow. That's... Ooh. But it's, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you have received pain and the body is just kind of confused and in shock and not able to process it right away. In any case, kids better, we're all better, it is time for the weather, there are no weather alerts in effect, and I am happy about that. It is currently 16 degrees here in Halifax and partly cloudy, uh, becoming clear this evening, fog patches developing overnight, wind north 20 kilometers, gusting to 40, becoming light this evening, low of 8 except plus 5 inland, and a risk of frost. Saturday, September 14th, sunny skies and cle increasing cloudiness in the afternoon, fog patches dissipating in the morning, winds becoming southwest 20 kilometers, gusting to 40 in the, in the morning, high of 18, UV index of 7 or high, and at night, cloudy with a 6% chance of showers overnight, wind southwest 20 gusting to 40 and a low of 15 degrees. Uh, Sunday, September 15th, 30% chance of showers and high of 22, going down to a low of 16 at night in cloudy periods. Monday, September 16th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 23, going down to a low of 12 and 30% chance of showers overnight. That chance of showers will persist through uh, to uh, Tuesday, September 17th, with a high of 16, going down to a low of 8 and cloudy skies at night. Wednesday, September 18th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 17, going down to a low of 10 and cloudy periods at night. And Thursday, September 19th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 21 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and it is time for a little bit more music. Touch our destiny to get in the 
That was Tofuku with Sunset Rhythm, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony's 100th, 100th episode on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for chiptunes, video games, and all things weird and geeky. It is the 100th episode, and I want to talk about a game today, and three of them, in fact. People nowadays seem to be kind of obsessed with achievements in video games, so much so that they've come up with a way to incorporate them into classic console games. So lately, I figured, why not take a look at a few of them? Specifically, I went ahead and revisited a few Game Boy Advance games, which I've played through before and even turned on Hardcore Achievement Mode, which disables things like save states and cheat codes, so... Let's see how that turned out. Let's start with Sigma Star Saga. This is basically an RPG shmup developed by Wave Forward, published by Namco, and released August 16, 2005. And here's something interesting. As far as I can tell, this is one of a rare breed of games on Nintendo systems which did not see a Japanese release. Anyway. An alien species known as the Krill have cut an enormous hole in the Earth, apparently, according to the story, one the size of Canada. Uh, causing the oceans to boil and nearly everyone in the world to die. They later came back and what was left of humanity believed they were there to kill what was left. This is why they sent decorated war hero Ian Wrecker into the Krill's forces undercover to get back at the species that did this to them. Little did he know, however, that there is far more, far more to this than meets the eye and that his allegiances would be put into question. 
So as we do, let's start with presentation. The graphics for this game are pretty much what, would ex what one would expect from way forward, nice and colorful and with some pretty good animation. However, during ground exploration, everything is far too big and it's easy to get blindsided by something that Wrecker would easily be able to see right in front of him. As Jason would say, pull the camera back a bit. Much of the music sounds uh, pretty samey, lacking much variation composition. The sound, meanwhile, is fine. Guns are gunny, explosions are exploding, and so on. The gameplay itself is, if nothing else, an interesting concept. Uh, the player runs around the world looking for whatever items or plot points they need to progress until such time that, as the game explains it, one of the living krill ships flying overhead gets spooked by something and summons Wrecker up to control it, which is when the game turns into a shmup. Shoot down a certain number of enemies and the encounter is completed. Each enemy will also drop an orb worth a certain amount of experience which will also power up the ship, but will not power up Wrecker himself while he's on land. He can also not gain experience on land despite there being monsters there too. This game is only specific about that. This game has 90 achievements on retro achievements, with about 13 of them being directly on the game's path. Aside from those, there are achievements for getting all the special gun data pickups that can be collected throughout the game, which modify the ship's weapon loadout in a number of different ways. There are also some achievements for clearing battles with specific loadouts, others for not taking damage, some for uh, finding and defeating the various mini-bosses in the game, and a couple for getting through timed events with a certain amount of time left. There is even one for clearing an encounter without pressing any buttons or taking any damage. Which, considering the, load the loadouts you can get, is more possible than one might think. Overall, I feel that this game is a little underrated getting lukewarm reception from critics in general, but also don't expect too much out of this one. It does have an interesting story and an interesting concept, but the whole is not quite the sum of, the, the sum of its parts for this one. Still, I end up picking this one up uh, once every few years or so, so this must be doing something right. The next game is Astro Boy Omega Factor. This is a platformer developed by Treasure and Hitmaker, published by Sega and released in North America on August 18, 2004. I usually outline the plot right about here, but there's a lot going on. Though the game is focused on Astro and the storyline of his manga and anime, as one would expect, they pretty much have thrown the entirety of creator Osamu Tezuka's star system uh, which is a collection of actor characters he would use in various storylines into this game. The presentation in general is pretty good. The art style is very consistent with Tezuka's work. Uh, everything looks pretty fantastic, sounds lovely. Yeah, there's not really much else I can say here that, that this is probably one of the best games out on the GBA in this department. Um, it's also fun to see the various Tezuka characters thrown in, even if it is kind of shoehorned in sometimes, and it is important to meet them. Doing so will uh, add them to Astro's Omega Factor, powering, powering up one of his attributes. My main complaint, however, is in the gameplay. A lot of the time it's fine, but even when fully powered up, it's easy to get your face punched in by everything. There are, all, there are several areas I've had to play over and over because... Things are just set up in such a way that if you lose focus for a quarter of a second, Astro takes a hit for over half his health, or even all of his health, if Astro's life stat is low enough or the difficulty is high enough. 
So yeah, uh, one of the one early boss is a poor implementation of ex of, ex of an expanding boss. There we go. One that grows every time they're hit, which gives you barely enough room to uh, to breathe, much less do anything else. And another one during a free flight segment keeps moving away diagonally all the time, making them needlessly hard to hit considering Astro can only fire his finger laser in a straight horizontal line. And all this hardship I'm getting is on normal difficulty. I wouldn't want to see hard, honestly. This game doesn't so much have 66 achievements on retro achievements as it has 22 of them three times for each difficulty level. In any case, considering the uh, player doesn't really get a proper ending for the game until they get 100%, all of the achievements are on the player's path. Personally, I could have seen there being achievements based on the player's score and or clear time, but considering how hard of a time I'm having with this one already, I can't fathom having to reach for those even after getting fully powered up. In any case, Astro Boy at Mega Factor is definitely an interesting game, but I think I remembered it more fondly than I feel about it now because I was safe scumming my way through it before. The frustration I'm experiencing with it now is definitely something that I'll be factoring in going forward. Finally, here's The Legend of Zelda The, Min the Minish Cap. This is a top-down adventure developed by Capcom and Flagship, published by Nintendo and released in North America on January 10th, 2005. A predecessor to Four Swords, uh, this game revolves around the evil sorcerer Vades rise to power after he destroys the Pickery, Br uh, Pickery Blade, there we go, which was sealing shut basically Pandora's box. Thus, because Link is Link, it's up to him, along with an annoying talking magic hat named Ezlo, to find the miniature Minish, enlist their aid to reforge the sword, and banish Vady from the land. I'd like to say defeat him once and for all, but well, if he did that, four swords would never happen. Also, for anyone who's interested in the ridiculous Zelda chronology, this game supposedly is the second one in the timeline preceded only by Skyward Sword, so no Ocarina of Time shenaniganry here. So the presentation. Flagship was responsible for a couple of Nintendo's properties on the GBA, namely Zelda and Kirby, and they did a pretty good job on both. In this case, everything looks beautiful, and the sounds are very Zelda-y. The music, on the other hand, it's... Definitely alright, but it feels a little uninspired. Most of it stemming from other Zelda games, which is something that Nintendo and other companies making Nintendo games seem to tend to do. Banking a little harder on uh, banking a little hard on nostalgia, aren't we? Anyhow, the game itself is pretty good. It is, for the most part, your standard sort of top-down Zelda adventure, which generally works pretty well with the added twist of being able to shrink down to minuscule size, allowing for exploration of a completely different nature, weaving through small paths and holes in, uh, and holes in walls to discover new secrets and new encounters. The first boss itself is a regular-sized enemy, but during a time while Link is, is minish-sized, thus requiring the player to com completely reconsider how to take this challenge on. The biggest grievance, however, as far as I'm concerned, is over-tutorialization. This game is regularly reminding you of the function of the most basic items, going so far as to tell the player what a rupee is in a fit of sarcastic thrill. And then Ezra won't shut up about these new challenges along the way, despite telling you that he'll help you when he press uh, when you press select in a very fourth wall breaking way. 
Ezra, you are a hat. Sit on my head and be a hat. Hats don't talk. This game has 67 achievements on Retro Achievements, with about 30 of them being on the main path. Many of the ones that aren't are pretty much things a player would do if they're looking to 100% the game anyway. Though there are others which you would have to do, uh, which have to do with defeating bosses without taking damage, and even going through the entire game without grabbing a single heart container. Yeah, I don't think I'll be cleaning out the achievements on this one either. Anyhow, it has its faults, but overall, the Minish Cap is a pretty fun game, even if most NPCs in it are obsessed with fusing kinstones like they're OPG trading cards or something. No one's gonna get that reference. Why did you put it in there? Anyhow, maybe I'm being a bit of an overachievement, uh, an overachiever by playing these games on hardcore mode. But it can be fun to explore games in a different light. And, well, I can't deny that it's getting achievement pops, even if it's mostly meant as an empty act of entitlement, is still kind of nice in its own way. And hey, maybe someday I'll be good at video games. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Time for some music.
That was Tropics with Cool Chiptune Thing 2, I guess. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And I've found a thing. Yes, I have found a thing, and I'll share that thing with you in a segment that I like to call I Found a Thing, because I'm so proud of that name. It's it's kind of a, it's, it's a result of multimedia toolbook. This is a result of me stringing words together that don't make sense. Anyway... Um, so yeah, this is a story about Tesla. And I don't mean Tesla Corporation that's making electric cars. I mean Nikola Tesla. And for anyone who doesn't know, Nikola Tesla was a famous 20th century Serbian-American scientist who is most famous for designing the alternating current uh, electricity power, uh, power supply system. So, not a small achievement. Um... It's a name that a lot of people know. It is the person after whom, uh, after which the company named Tesla was named. But um, something that people might not realize is that almost a hundred years ago, Tesla actually managed to predict the smartphone. He managed to predict the smartphone, and uh, so let's find out a little more about that, shall we? And just give me one second before I do that, because I got some things. So many controls in this place. So this is a quote during an interview in 1926 with John B. Kennedy. When wireless is perfectly applied, uh, the whole Earth will be converted into a huge brain, which in fact it is all things being particles of uh, a real and rhythmic whole. We shall be able to communicate with one another instantly, irrespective of distance. Not only this, but through television and telephony, we shall see and hear one another as perfectly as though we were face to face, despite intervening distances of thousands of miles. And the instruments through which we shall be able to do this will amazingly uh, will be amazingly simple compared with our present telephone. A man will be able to carry one in his vest pocket. I mean, that's not a dead-on prediction. But considering this was back in 1926, that was pretty close. You gotta admit that. Um, so yeah, it's just something that I, that I found kind of interesting that I wanted to share with you guys. Apparently, this Nikola Tesla was just far ahead of his time. And it's kind of interesting to see what, um, what would happen if a man like that would be, um, around in, in the present. And who is the next man like that? That just wants... The best for everyone, not just someone who is looking for lots and lots of money. Anyway, you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, music time. (laughs) 
And that was Solar Loon with Drag and Drop, and that is leading us to the end of this 100th episode. Uh, can't really call it a spectacular because it was more or less just a regular episode. But let me see if I can figure something out that's going to be particularly fun for the next episode. So, um, so yeah, that is going to do it. Um, let me see here. Get our end credits ready because I actually didn't have that up and there we go so hope that you enjoyed listening Square Wave, Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming lowbiasgaming.net News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication newsoftheweird.com segment music composed by myself Madame Namiki, Noriki Kimikura Twilight of Default uh, Twilight of Defect, Niflis, Pink Projects, and Commissar. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by The Witching Hour at 7pm and The Vinyl Factory at 8.30. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version of the show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or just search for Square Wave Symphony. Square Wave is one word. On Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's probably going to be there. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. 100 episodes down. So for another 100 and another 100 beyond that, I'm Coolio if you don't know. And I'll see you guys next time.